Chapter twenty seven of the Life of Thomas Lord Cochrane, tenth Earl of Dundonald, completing the Autobiography of a Seaman, Volume two, by Henry Richard Fox Bourne and others. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Timothy Ferguson, eighteen forty eight. Lord Dundonald left London for Devonport on the sixteenth of March, eighteen forty eight, and on the following day hoisted his flag on board the Wellesley as Admiral in Command of the North American and West Indian Fleet on the twenty fifth of march he set sail for halifax which was soon reached and was during three years the headquarters from which he proceeded on numerous voyages in fulfilment of the duties of his office these duties were not very onerous or various they were relieved however by much careful study of the circumstances and prospects of our colonies in british north america and by correspondence thereupon and on other subjects with influential friends at home especially with lord auckland the first lord of the admiralty from this correspondence some selections will be made in the ensuing pages quote, i am very much pleased with your letter of the nineteenth wrote lord auckland on the twenty first of march while the wellesley was still at davenport and the good spirit with which you look forward to your coming duties i know how irksome is the succession of the petty duties which are incident to places of authority and how far more attractive is the excitement of great actions to those who are capable of performing them but even the first class of duties is not without interest and carries credit as it is performed with justice and exactness and i hope that for the second the necessity of great exertions will not arise but it is always well that the possibility of their being called for should be borne in mind and while you follow the peaceful avocations of your station i should be glad that you become acquainted with all its points of strength and of weakness all the information and advice that you may give to me will be gratefully received and carefully considered i hope wrote lord auckland three days later that the mosquito affair will have been brought to a termination before your arrival and that the necessity for the presence of ships in the bay of mexico will have terminated with a cessation of hostilities between the united states and mexico you will then have the slave trade and the fisheries mainly to attend to you will learn from the consul at cuba whether the slave trade is now actively carried on it had for some time entirely ceased but it may have revived and with good information and force for interception applied at the right time i should hope that it will not require many of your ships the fisheries will for a season be a regular and a fixed object of attention though i feel that your number of ships is small it is difficult for me to increase it i hate to fritter away our men and naval strength on a multitude of brigs and sloops and petty objects letter ends. lord auckland communicated to his friend many interesting opinions respecting the state of politics and the condition of affairs on both sides of the atlantic a letter from him dated the thirtieth of april had reference chiefly to the troubles occasioned at that time by the interference of nicaragua with british commerce which had necessitated the sending of captain locke in the alarm to watch the course of events and compel proper behaviour by the turbulent state a little war is always a vexatious thing he wrote and our relations with the state of mosquito though they have long an ancient standing to recommend them are strange and anomalous but the insults of nicaragua were highly provoking the detention of british subjects was not to be borne and the spirit which has been exhibited by captain locke the spirit and enterprise with which his operations were directed the conduct of all who served under him and the successful results which have been achieved are all highly to be applauded i am glad however that they have left the river of san juan i see that in seventeen eighty nelson lost by the climate there fifteen hundred out of eighteen hundred men and i well know what is the effect 
of a low country in the tropics, particularly after exertion and fatigue. Letter ends. The rest of the letter related to the turmoil excited in Europe by the deposition of Louis-Philippe in February 1848, and the less successful revolutions in other countries. We continue to be on the very best of terms with the provisional government, and there is a better disposition towards us on the part of the French people than there was at the first outbreak of the revolution. I have, therefore, at present, no apprehension of war. There is, however, this danger that Germany and Italy are greatly disturbed, and that Austria and Sardinia are engaged in war on the side of Italy and Prussia and Denmark to the north, and it will not be easy for France and England to be peaceful lookers-on. Besides which, the government of France will long be subject to popular gusts, and it is never easy to say in what direction they may blow. In the meantime, however, always the appearance of peace, and at home, the chances of disturbance, both from chartists and repealers, have become less. We have only danger from the distress and want of employment, which have followed upon the shock given to credit throughout Europe. Letter ends. Unfortunately, most of the letters written by Lord Dundonald during these months have been lost, but something of their purport may be gathered from the replies to them. I am very glad, Lord Auckland wrote on the 28th of May, that your thoughts appear to be very considerately given to the health of those that are under your command. You will, of course, have consideration for the ships that have served in the Gulf of Mexico or other unhealthy places, and give them a turn in the north. I did not lose a moment in sending to Lord Grey your suggestions in favour of removing the convict hulks at Bermuda, and he has promised me that he will, without delay, issue orders accordingly. Lord Auckland wrote again to his friend on the 23rd of June. I have your valuable memoranda on the defences and dockyard of Bermuda, he said, and I am greatly obliged to you for them, as will be Lord Grey. I will promise to give them early and deep consideration. In the meantime, I will press the board to give immediate authority for the improvement of the drains of the hospital, and of the supply of water. I am greatly obliged to you for the steadiness with which you keep considerations of economy in view, the disinterestedness with which you regard the schemes which have been proposed for a new Admiralty House at Bermuda will give you authority in checking expenditure in other objects. The affairs of France, we read in the same letter, written while General Carvenac was suppressing the June Revolution, are most unsettled. There is no confidence in any man or party, and there are discontent and mistrust and alarm. All feel that things cannot go on in their present form, but none can foresee what will follow. It may be a continuance of internal dissension, but in an aggravated form. It may be a disposition to external violence. At home the condition both of England and Ireland is quieter than it was. There is more brightness in our prospects at home just now, wrote Lord Auckland three weeks later, on the 14th of July, than has been the case for some months. Commerce and credit are reviving, Chartism is dormant, and Ireland is less troublesome. And on the continent there is a more general disposition to return to institutions of order. I confess that I should be glad to hear that just at this moment there were a larger force than usual at Bermuda. The presence there of Mitchell is apparently raising some excitement. Footnote. The great Chartist who, having been tried and sentenced to transportation, had been sent to Bermuda in May 1848. Footnote ends. Though I cannot apprehend any formidable attempt at rescue, yet the notoriety of the force being at or about the island may put an end to the vapouring menaces which are proclaimed, and prevent any rash or foolish enterprise that may be projected. Thanks to you for your letter from Halifax, Lord Auckland wrote again on the 21st of July, and for your last sheets on the defences of Bermuda. 
i do not think when we parted that the question of these defences would so soon come under serious discussion with a view to their practical efficiency but i do not yet think they will be put to the test by any formidable attempt for the rescue of mr mitchell such apprehensions of danger however as they occur occasionally do good and lead men to think of and correct their weak points what you say of the accessible nature of the southern reef surprises me and strengthens your recommendation of gunboats as the means of defence which are least to be neglected i only hang back in regard to them as the naval department could not bear the expense of such defences for the many colonies that would require them and they must be provided by the colonial governments our arrangements however may in some cases be subsidiary to theirs and wherever it is possible the craft of the dockyard and other establishments should be so fitted as to be capable of carrying a gun i am glad you sent off the scourge to bermuda she is a handy vessel and well commanded and the notoriety of her presence will not be without a useful effect what you may say of the character of the emigrants that are set forth from ireland to our colonies is but too true yet it is better that they should go than accumulate famine and disturbance at home the present condition of ireland menaces trouble and difficulty note letter ends. i am quite aware wrote earl grey who was then secretary of state for the colonies to lord dundonald on the third of august of the unfortunate tendency of the emigration to the north american provinces being chiefly from ireland but i do not see how it is in the power of the government effectually to counteract the causes which are leading to the settlement of so large a proportion of irish in this part of the british dominion i fear this will hereafter be attended with very unfortunate results i beg to thank your lordship he also said for the important information you have transmitted to me and for the pains you have taken in considering the subject of the defence of bermuda which i recommended to your attention before you left england i am in communication with lord auckland upon this subject and we shall endeavour to act upon your suggestions so far as we are enabled to do so under the financial difficulties with which we have to contend in the next letter written by lord auckland to lord dundonald on the eighteenth of august he again referred to european politics there is with regard to the continent more promise of peace at this moment than there has been for a long time past and there is a tone of more moderation on the part of france towards other countries than i have ever expected to see but she yet has within her fearful elements of disturbance her government is yet unsettled and whenever determined it will be subject to strong popular influences and there can be no security i almost apprehend earlier mischief from the popular influences of the united states they have had a task of conquest and annexation and cuba lies temptingly the uneasiness of the black population of many of the west india islands may lead to opportunities and disagreeable events may grow out of such circumstances but these are matters of speculation and nothing turns out as men think that they foresee i wish that your squadron was stronger for you are weak in numbers for the many points that you have to cover our home politics are rather more satisfactory than they were that is to say the dangers of irish insurrection and of formidable chartist outbreak are over but there is still much uneasiness and disaffection in both countries and the various events of paris have given encouragement to strange enterprises i apprehend however no serious mischief from these quarters at present but we have in prospect a very general failure of the potato crop and a very indifferent harvest and here will be new causes of embarrassment there were many causes of embarrassment to english statesmen during the ensuing months for the present wrote lord auckland on the first of september 
There is a cordial and friendly understanding between the governments of this country and France, and the chances of war seem to be distant. General Cavanac seems to be a prudent and moderate man, but no one can predict into what courses the popular influences of France may force him, or what changes may on any day occur. The extreme communist party is weaker than it was, and a royalist party, for some king, but not Louis-Philippe, is growing up, and between these is a government of a republic and an army. The first political difficulty will be that of Italy, where the Austrians will not readily make any concession, and where the French will not readily see them again accumulate strength. It is to be seen whether their mediation and ours will be of any avail. The condition of the present French government is precarious, Lord Auckland said in another letter, dated the 9th of November. According to present appearances, Louis Napoleon will be elected president, not because he is personally esteemed, but from his name, with some parties, and because it is anticipated by others, that his rule will be short, and that he will be made to make way for others. The election of a French president is over, Lord Auckland was able to say on the 25th of December, and has been carried away at last with a rush, and we are to have a new dynasty of Napoleons. Louis Napoleon was supported by the army for his name, by the bulk of the nation, because Kavanagh and the Republic were hated, and by the Legitimists, because they think he may presently be overthrown. He is pronounced to be a foolish man, but his course has been lately one of prudence and perseverance, and he will enter upon power with good auspices. But he will have many difficulties to contend with, and we may yet see many changes before the condition of France will be settled. Letter ends. The Earl of Auckland, one of the worthiest and most generous statesmen of his time, Lord Dundonald's firm friend, and the friend of all those with whom he came in contact, did not live to see these changes. Just a week after that letter was written, Admiral John Dundas, who had been his chief adviser on Admiralty matters, had to write to Lord Dundonald. It is with great regret, he said on the 1st of January, 1849, I have to inform you of the death of Lord Auckland after a few hours' illness. He was on a visit to Lord Ashburton, near Winchester, on Saturday, seized with a fit, never spoke after, and died this morning. You may well imagine the universal sorrow at such a loss, and I am sure that you will join in that, for I know well the friendship that existed between you. Letter ends. By Lord Auckland's letters it has been shown that, among much else, Lord Dundonald made special study of the actual condition and possible improvement of Bermuda, both as a convict settlement and as a centre of defence against any attacks that might be made upon the West Indies. He suggested various beneficial changes for the strengthening of its fortifications and for lessening its unhealthy character by better drainage and other expedients. In all of these he was supported by Lord Auckland, but from the new First Lord of the Admiralty, Sir Francis Baring, he met with less encouragement. Bermuda had been made a subject of inquiry by a parliamentary committee, and the House of Commons being averse to any further expense, Sir Francis Baring was compelled to countermand much of the action that had been resolved upon. With Sir Francis Baring, Lord Dundonald corresponded on little but strictly official matters, and therefore their letters are of less general interest than those which passed between him and Lord Auckland. End of chapter 27. Recording by Timothy Ferguson, Gold Coast, Australia.